Hi, my name is Len Yuli. I'm an animation writer. You may have seen some of my work on shows like Static Shock or Ben 10, X-Men the Animated Series or DuckTales. And this is Spoiler Country. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. Today on the show, it's super special because if you're like me and you're a big fan of Ben 10, or if you like the He-Man relaunch back in the early 2000s, or maybe you have uh, kids or you're a kid yourself and you watched American Tale 3 and American Tale 4, or maybe The Land Before Time 7, then today's going to be really, really special. And he is the 2014 recipient of the American Writers Caucus Writing Award. And that's Lynn Yuli. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, this is this is awesome. You have been in the business now for a little bit of time. Uh, longer than I'd care to admit uh, in public, <laughs> but yes, yes, I've I've been very fortunate that I've had a a long and steady career in animation. We can go into the details, but I I had I actually started out as a precocious sitcom writer in college. I had my first sale when I was a junior in college on a show no one remembers called Homes and Yo-Yo. It was on ABC for 13 weeks and I Homes got my first assignment there. Yeah. Uh, and then a year later, I went as a senior in college. I was at film school at UCLA. Mm -hmm. I had a TV series uh, format, something sort of a short form explication of a television series, which was about the first black president of the United States. Like, like that could happen. Right. But this was 1977. So, you know, it was before it's time. So I said to myself, hey, this is going to be easy. What a great career this is going to be. Three, we three years of radio silence after that. Wow. So I had a series of nice first breaks and I did a little work here, a little work there. And then eventually accidentally ended up writing animation. I was writing industrials and corporate films, if you're familiar with what those are. You know, they- Is that like training videos? The glory of international widget, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so one of the mom and pop companies that I worked for, the pop was the voice of Duke Igthorn on the Gummy Bears, named uh, an actor named from radio days, really, yeah. named, uh, Michael Rye. And so he introduced cartoon. me to the story editor on the Gummy Bears, and I wrote one Gummy Bears for Jim Agon and Art Fatello. And then I did one DuckTales freelance. And then I was brought on, like a lot of other writers and artists, as Disney TV animation began to build up with DuckTales and then subsequently with all of the Disney afternoon shows. Yeah. So I suddenly accidentally found myself being an animation writer. And so that's what I've been doing as my day job ever since. Which has that's been crazy. pretty okay. Yeah, that's that's nuts. The gummy yeah. bears were huge. Yeah, remember when that was out and that was a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and it was. was I remember when it came out. I remember thinking the gummy bears, and then but then it just it didn't go away. It was huge. I, I remember it, it was it was such fun to write too. The yeah. characters were strong, and we had an extraordinary voice cast. The animation was very very solid because Disney was sending it to the very best Japanese studios at the time. Yeah, and. So that was, you know, to be introduced to the world of animation on a show like that, and then on DuckTales, and then Tailspin, and, and all the other shows from that period, Chip and Dale, Darkwing Duck, all of those shows that I worked on while I was on staff at Disney TV Animation. You know, it was a, it was a cartoon-making machine, because yeah. especially when the Disney Afternoon started up, they were doing these enormous 65-episode orders. So they had people on lot. staff, several floors of artists and writers in, in buildings Crazy. in San Fernando Valley, making these shows. And you'd go from one show to the next to the next. And I was on staff there for five and a half years. And that's how my animation career started. So, you know, again, a lucky accident, yeah. dumb luck timing, that kind of stuff. But it all worked out, you know. And then that's when I transitioned out of funny animals into superheroes. And I've been bouncing around amongst the various genres ever since. So, you know, knock wood. Yeah. Uh, it's been okay. You know what I remember from that time frame? Huh. It's all those amazing Disney shows. And just that time in general mm. was the theme music was so good. And it oh, was yeah. like big production values, it felt like. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they, they, they did wonderful work. They were distinctive and engaging and, you know, 
kind of earworms a lot of them. Yeah. And yeah, you you as soon as you hear the thump 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 of ducktails yep. or the 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 first initial uh, guitar strings of the X-Men series, I, I yep. wrote some of those too. You know, you say, "Oh, I know what that is." And yep. you're humming along with it because yep. they were so they were great songs. And <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if theme songs have that kind of effect any longer, but at the time that was the style and it was nice to have that as think, a lead into to bring the audience into the show. Yeah, I think having that weekly episodic thing and especially on the Saturday mornings. And I know something like Transformers and and, and those maybe a little bit before your time on on the writing, but those were like every day. You needed something that kept the kids interest and having that earworm was a great way of doing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and, it, and it's repeatable, you know, which is yeah. the whole point of these kinds of shows, you know. Yeah. How many times can you rerun it and the answer is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lynn, what, what what were you like growing up? Were you a, an introvert? Were you... Uh, like probably many of the writers that you've talked with, I was both uh, shy and retiring and also felt that I had something that I wanted to share with the world. And yeah. so, I mean, you know, my I, I wanted to be a writer before I knew I wanted to be a writer. Oh, that's cool. You know, um, yeah. I, I, that somewhere in a file box is the first script I ever wrote in sixth grade. It was a Star Trek, not a spoof, mind you. Yeah. It was a very sincere. And I, you know, when we did it for my sixth grade English class, I, you know, I, because I already had the pointy ears, I played Spock. And it was like, <laughs> so I was doing that kind of stuff. That's and then awesome. <laughs> doing student films in late elementary school and in high school. And then at my high school, there was this competition for the various classes called yeah. Hello Day. And I started writing those. So we were, I was doing musicals and, you know. You have a kind of a secret love for musicals, and, right? I'm sorry? You have kind of a secret love for musicals, right? Maybe it's not a I, secret, but I, you do love I musicals. do, yes. The, 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 the genre that shall not be spoken. I was doing all of that. And I was hearing people laughing and applauding. I said, oh, I could do this for a living, yeah. you know, because, you know, when you're 17, deciding what your life is going to be, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So yeah. I then went to UCLA and I went, I got into their film school, which at the time, the undergraduate program was the junior and senior year. I don't know how it's done now. Right. And so that's when I started, you know, saying, well, this is my career. I'm going to, I want to be a sitcom writer. And, did, you know, all, all the other students around me, they wanted to be, you know, writing the screenplay that changed the world. And right. they all ended up writing our dramas, which is not a bad way to go either, by the way. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it's like I kind of started on this path very early. And since I have no other skills, it's it's fortunate that this is where I ended up. You know? <laughs> what did your parents say when you said... I, I want to write sitcoms. That's what I want to do for a living. Well, uh, I'm very fortunate that my mom was very, very supportive. In fact, I'll oh, tell you awesome. the story of that that first sale. I saw that Holmes and Yo-Yo had gotten mm -hmm. picked up. And again, we're I'm back in college. And for your listeners, that's a long time ago now. And <laughs> I see the show gets picked up. And I see that the people doing it were the people who had done Get Smart. And that yeah. was one of the big shows out of, in my childhood when I was saying, oh, that's I love that show. Yeah. So I, well, you know, I, I called up the production office. I, I, by the way, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. So I, it's a very odd place to grow up where this is sort of like a company town. If I'd grown up in Detroit, I wanted, I would have wanted to build Fords. But yeah. instead, yeah. here I grew up in, in LA. Yeah. So I called the production office. And at the time, this can this couldn't happen today. But at the time, I said to the woman who was in charge, the director of development there, I'd like to read a copy of the pilot script. So she said, sure. And she sent it to me. Right. So I then wrote a story outline. I didn't even write a script. And then sat on it because, come on, I'm a college student. Nobody's going to read this thing. Right. And so my mom said, I'll tell you what, I'll send it in for you. So she mailed it for me. A couple of weeks later, the story editor on Holmes and Yodo called on a Friday and said, I'm going to make your weekend. Wow. And that's how I got the job. That's amazing. They took my story and they took another story they'd already bought from a guy named John Landis. I don't know whatever happened to him. <laughs> and they slammed the two of them together. And I don't think for some had reason, <laughs> I got to write it. Now, I think I've been told that the likelihood is that he was like, at that point, he was already in pre-production on Animal House. So, you know, right. things worked out differently. 
there. But uh, so I got a chance to write this thing. And I was, you know, a cocky. I was 20 years old. I yeah. didn't know what I was yeah. doing. You couldn't but, fail. So I, I, had, I had a certain amount of talent, but I didn't have the craft yet. Right. So, you know, I did a, a miserable job. I did a terrible job. I got rewritten, but that's entirely appropriate. Right. But that, you know, then I got bitten by the bug. And I said, okay, well, I'll do this again. And then I had that series option for the following year and then bumped around and wrote spec scripts and things like that and got into a writer's internship program at MTM Enterprises. The people who did the Mary Tyler Moore show and Hills yeah. Blues and all that. And I, I was one of three people out of 400 who had submitted to that program. And I got assigned to WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, I love I that show. <laughs> oh, God. And so I got to see this this wonderful, this genius Hugh Wilson, who'd created the show, yeah. run the show for several weeks. And I, I did get a chance to write one. Did it you never just... got produced because it was similar to one that they already had in the pipeline, but who knew? Right. But, you know, so that was, I've had a lot of nice first breaks. But, you know, you know, like everybody else, I, you know, would have something optioned. Yeah. I'd get an assignment that didn't get made, or maybe it did, you know, some a few live action kids shows one yeah. called kids incorporated which had music in it but i didn't get to write the songs um and stuff that like that and then like i say industrials and corporate stuff and then cartoons and here we are i'm sorry i that's digress uh, no that's good that's a journey <laughs> you know, man. that was that was the first that was the first 10 years let's not talk about the next <laughs> 30 but whatever what was when you're when you were had that week of 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 shadowing, who was the 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 guy, the showrunner for WKRP? Hugh, Hugh Wilson. I was there. Yeah, Hugh for, Wilson. How much did you take weeks. away from that? Because that must have been oh, an eye-opening oh experience. God. Oh, fantastic! Because Hugh was, uh, I mean, a mad genius. He was just yeah. a terribly, terribly clever fellow. And watching him run the show was fascinating. Being able to sit in on the writers' room and watch the rehearsals on the stage and all that sort of thing. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to sit down on any post-production, but those two aspects of it I did see yeah. and, of course, said, yes, I want to do this, please. <laughs> and and it, it was terribly interesting. And and I just, you know, today you couldn't do that. There, There's nothing like this. There are some programs. There are apprenticeship programs. There are contests and competitions and things like that. Right. But, you know, today, if you wanted to be involved as, as a writer in animation or in live action the best way in is to be a writer's assistant or producer's assistant and then or a production assistant on a show. Then you're in the room and you, you know, those people that the, the young writers that I know today, yeah, they all started in those positions and they became invaluable to their respective shows. They know the show better than the guy or gal running the show. Right. And that's how they get to be writers. And there, there's easily a half a dozen that I've worked with who have just been brilliant, have done a great job, and I hope they'll hire me soon. No, that's, that's awesome. I these so. are people who uh, have great futures and, and great talent. Yeah. So it's it's that's the way in now. What happened to me was so long ago and a completely different world now. Nobody's yeah. going to let you just, you know, send in something because there are armies of lawyers who will say, you can't do that. Right. But because then, we have something in the pipeline that's similar to it. Well, you, you know, the, you're always going to have thanks. We love it. We yeah. have it. That's 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 the nature of the beast. Yeah. And it can be d discouraging because, you know, I, I, and but before that, it's how do you get in the room? Yeah. And if you have an agent, that's great. But if you don't, you know, there's all of the other things that you have to do, the competitions and the, you know, the programs that they have, the, the workshops that some of the networks and studios have. But it's it's. It's a big hill to climb under yeah. the best of circumstances, and certainly during the, the uh, pandemic, it's, I, I'm sure it's been even harder because there's no way to network in the same way, except if you're doing so on Twitter or now on Clubhouse or things like that. And those, I don't know if those are as satisfactory because yeah. you, you do, I mean, Zoom is great for this sort of thing, right, but right. For, the, for the getting to know a person really well and in a casual, comfortable way, that's been impossible for the last year or so, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah. But that will change too. Anyway, we've now immediately dated this conversation. So I apologize for that. Two years from now, they're going to say, what's pandemic? What's that? What is that? What is that? We hope, we hope that's the question. We anyway, hope this is the last one we go, go through. To go back to your question originally, what was I like growing up? I was thinner and, and I 
<laughs> well, I just, I, I guess me it, too. it sort of made sense uh, to me to be a writer from the get go. Yeah. You know, even before, uh, you know, it, it, it even uh, before I, okay, here's another thing. I grew up in Los Angeles. It's weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I probably attended my first filming, not taping, mind you, filming yep. when I was like seven or eight. It was the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I went, due to family connections, I, I went to the sets of shows like My Favorite Martian and Batman oh, nice. and The Green Hornet and My Man from Uncle and stuff like that. So it sort of made perfect sense. Like I say, it's a company town. That's and awesome. this is what one, you know, I mean, not everybody, but yeah. I, I happen to get, get that. On the other hand, I, you know, I'm a child of divorce. So, you know, poor me. Yeah. But, you know, th that's that was the good stuff that happened. The rest of it, I, I won't bore you with because yeah. of years of therapy for both of us. <laughs> we'll avoid Give that. me free therapy. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always a cost, <laughs> emotional or otherwise. But no, never that's fine. why bore your, your, your listeners with that? <laughs> when you're writing some of these now classic animated shows, do you have a sense of meaning of what they mean to people? At, at the time? Yeah. No, absolutely not. No. I mean, some of these cartoons, I mean, the, the ones that people remember fondly, you know, yeah. like like the, the, the DuckTales stuff and the X-Men stuff and things like that. You mentioned working on American Tale and Land Before Time, things like yeah. those, the long forms that I did. Those resonate with people and they were the greatest fun to write i mean there are a lot of assignments that are just you know oh good i have a paycheck but there are some that really still work and yeah. to this day people i mean when we were going to conventions yeah you know especially when i would go with my friends eric and julia leewald eric was the guy who was the showrunner on the original x-men series and you know he's written this wonderful book actually a couple of books about the x-men series yep. and we would go to these conventions and you know you'd have a crowd sometimes a pretty large crowd like it down at san diego comic-con and things like that and people would line up to ask questions and like i say we would you know we were doing a job and we enjoyed our work you know yeah. it's, it's it's pretty great to be able to do this for a living but then you'd have these people come up to you and say thank you you made my childhood is the common phrase and it's 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 humbling. It's it knocks you back because you yeah. hear these people saying how much this mattered to them. There was one guy that came up. Um, if he's listening to this, I, 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 I believe me. I mean, no disrespect, but it was absolutely it, it just floored us. We were all in tears. Yeah. This guy came up to the microphone and he truly lo he looked like Jack Black dressed as Wolverine. He had the lumberjack jacket and the haircut and the whole thing. And he broke us all up. Yeah. And I don't mean laughing, I mean crying, because he said that he 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 stuck around. He had a rough childhood and he stuck around because he he didn't want to miss what the next episode was on Fox Kids that Saturday. No, and we say to ourselves, thank you. We say to him, thank you, because we we don't know the effect that we have sometimes right. when you hear stories like that and people i mean i, I wrote there's one x-men I, I wrote three of the original x-men series a, a small contribution mm -hmm. one was called nightcrawler yep and uh, it was the probably the first to the best of our knowledge the first mainstream cartoon series that dealt with issues of faith yeah and eric had asked me to write that one and i'm forever grateful of course and people come up to me and say, that was something I could talk about something with my dad. And I never could do that before. And one guy said, I became an evangelical because of shows like that. Now, there were shows, you know, that were literally like Davy and Goliath and things like that. were on like <laughs> Sunday morning. But right. when, you, when you see the effect of something like that, or if you write something about the environment and people say, Oh wow, that opened my eyes. I mean, and I'm still getting a chance to write that kind of stuff today from time to time. Yeah. You know, usually it's a romp and an adventure, and those are great too. But if you get to write something that's actually about, you know, an important issue, yeah, that that's that's icing on the cake. That's a thrill. Like when you can mix it in and and get it in there, and it, it can 
maybe I, get somebody it, to open it, their eyes and look into something if, more than they would have? If, if you have a chance, there's a series that Rob Hoagie ran. Robbie's a great guy, terrific yeah. producer, writer. And he did a show called Thunderbirds Are, are Go. Thunderbirds yep. Are Go. It's a reboot of the old puppet series, yep. but it was done in CG. And it is absolutely the best looking thing ever. And <clears throat> the first couple of seasons are on Amazon Prime. They have not released the last season. More is the pity because the third and last episode I wrote of the series for him on that was a an environmental themed show and it was about oh, cool. the great barrier reef and so you know we, yes we're doing entertainment and we don't think of ourselves as educators right. but if you get a chance to say something that's about more than everybody after the treasure right it's such a thrill and especially when it's a, as good looking a show as that unfortunately right. that that season hasn't been shown in the US but for any of your listeners who are in the UK They've seen it like they saw it last year. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Hopefully they'll bring it back. No, that's well, it's it's so interesting to, or hopefully they, they release it because mm. I remember watching the original Thunderbirds. Yes. Or I mean, me and my brother watched it. My brother is five years older than me. I'm 46. He's 51 now. Yeah. And we watched, you know, he made me watch that with him. And it was, it was, it was uh, a great show. It was, it was a real hoot and very much of its time was, yeah. with the jazz music and everything. But this reboot was absolutely stunning. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I don't want to go on reboot. and on and on, but it was, it, that was, that was even, even of late, once in a while you get to work on something that you just say, man, I'm proud to have my name on that. Yeah, it's that's really, cool. It's, a, it's such a pleasure, you it's know, satisfying. and I, I, it, it, it beats, uh, beats almost anything to be able yeah. to do, you know. That's nice though. Anyway, so what so, else do you want to talk about? <laughs> so it, I feel like there's been a renaissance on, on cartoons with the advent of streaming services like Disney Plus and mm. Hulu and all that. And especially these, like I'm, I'm very much, I was born in 74. So my childhood is steeped in the 80s. So all of those classic 80 cartoons are all coming back. Right. And I mean, Transformers never really went away, but. No, they'll be doing those forever. Yeah. <laughs> But what, is, what do you think this is meant for the industry and meant for, for people that well, are working? And well, it's kind of brought Saturday morning back. Well, if, if I mean, but Saturday morning is 24 7 now. We can yeah, do a lot yeah. of cartoon on several networks and yep, yep. streamers and all that. What, in terms of seeing the stuff that my contemporaries and I worked on, that's always a pleasure. You know, if you go on Disney Plus, you can say, oh, look, I wrote that. But, and, and it's nice <laughs> that it's introducing a younger audience, another generation to right. those shows because they, a lot of them still hold up very nicely. Right. There is no, of course, revenue for those of us who worked on that. I know. That's because just... Animation writers, generally speaking, don't get residuals, but should I, though. should. You should but be. <laughs> I can would say certainly, You definitely certainly should be. <laughs> pushing, pushing the blow a little. Yeah, see what you can work out for. Yeah. But but it, it's, a, it's great fun and it's nice yeah. that people are sharing that with their children. Or even their grandchildren, I guess. Yeah. You know, and that's wonderful. But at the same time, there is a there's this great explosion because of the streaming services. There is there are a lot more animated series being made, particularly yeah. in the pandemic era, because they can do those. They can still produce those. Yeah. You know, with everybody scattered to the four winds, it's much harder to get a cast and crew of 150 people on a soundstage, they're trying, but it's right. it's not as easy to do. With an animated series, they can do that. You know, a lot of the voice actors have set up home studios. Yeah. So you can sort of piece together a show. Yeah. And so the networks and the streaming services have said, wait a minute, that's a way to fill some airtime. Let's <laughs> do those. So that's nice, and I'd like to be more a part of it. But as it is, I've been able to work on uh, a lot of fun series over the last few years. Good. A lot of more work is international now. Yeah, uh, I've worked on a couple of series that are based in the UK and working with some lovely people over there, and they turn out good-looking stuff. And so, you know, uh, the business has changed a lot, but, you know, we we adapt, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, I, I'm I'm lucky that I I'm able to keep working and you know branch off into new things. You know, working on so I work on preschool. I work uh, I did one sort of dark anime thing called Cannon Busters a couple of years ago. Oh, cool! Yeah, you know, 
ooh, that was dark and violent and yeah. different set of muscles, shall we say, then. Yeah. But very interesting. I, I wrote my first I wrote my first video game, which was released last year. Yeah, so, well, you know, what's the name of that game? It, it's called Rocket Arena, and it was released by EA Originals. And it was by a lovely company in Bellevue, Washington, not far from where you are, called Final Strike Games. Really nice people. And they, here's another one of those weird, how come this happened yeah. situations. They sought me out because I was one of the writers on the miniseries that started Tailspin. You okay. know, but again, we were all on staff writing these yeah. things, parceled out episodes and things like that. So I was one of the writers on Tailspin. And these guys, like probably about your age, maybe a little younger, I said, let's get the guy, one of the guys that wrote that funny dialogue for Don Carnage. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was one of those guys. And for some reason, I got the gig and yeah. uh, I got to work with these people. And, you know, I did visit their office once in Bellevue. And they had, you know, they had the, 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 all the paraphernalia from the show on their show. So yeah. they, they weren't just making this up. They really did like the show. Yeah. And so I got to write that and they had done some wonderful, wonderful characters. I really feature like Pixar quality animation or DreamWorks quality anyway, animation. And it was just beautiful. And so I got, I got to play in their world for a while and it was my first real video game. Yeah. Uh, and it was, wow. What a business that is. I mean, it's extraordinary. So I, I learned a lot and, you know, I, I can be taught, you know? Yeah. How, how different is it? Day. How different is it writing for a video game versus oh, a, a TV well, show? Well, I'm sure it's different on other projects. For me, writing on this, because they had already generated, created these characters and designed yeah. these characters, my task was kind of like writing a TV series Bible, sort of a laying out the world explaining who these characters were and what their interrelationships were and things like that because they had these wonderful characters but i had to sort of you know do the connective tissue for right. them so they could do their world building and what's also interesting is the the pipeline is different i was fascinating to see because they do stuff in a much more everybody hand all hands on deck collaborative thing it's probably more like doing a feature at, at DreamWorks or at Disney yeah. than it is like the production pipeline, the linear line that is in television series production where I write a script, I give it to the story editor, the story editor does his or her magic, then the artists are doing storyboards and everybody does their layouts and backgrounds and it's shipped overseas, and it's animated overseas and it comes back and they do post-production and then you have a cartoon show in a year or whatever. In video games, whole different ball of wax where they're all sort of working on the same thing at the same time in, in multiple pieces. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, it, it's just extraordinary. I'm not a gamer. Yeah. Full disclosure. <laughs> but I, I, I did try to play the game badly. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, except for the carpal tunnel. Sure. It was great, <laughs> you know. But, you know, it's, it's really, and, and I discovered, because I, I work on, on Macs and it's PC or or other game platforms i needed to borrow a computer from them to have something that was robust enough yeah in the pc world to play their game because it's kind of you know resource intensive to actually properly i'm sure you're a gamer and you do this kind of stuff but no was, i, 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 I play games it. but i'm not a i'm not a, a gamer i do yeah. play games but just every once in a while it was and it's fascinating because you know i've gone to a lot of comic conventions over yeah. the years but to go to e3 again this was a couple of years ago oh, now totally different beast which it's loud yeah, because <laughs> you've got all these games playing yeah. at once, but yeah. it, it was a lot of fun and uh, nice people. And so, uh, you know, it was altogether a very, very positive experience. And, you know, it, the game's out there, you know, it, it's not, it's not like the stuff from Blizzard. I have some friends, animation writers who ended up working at Blizzard yeah. and that's extraordinary. They, I mean, they are world builders par excellence. They do brilliant work. Yeah. They're up uh, here too. Are, are the, you have Blizzard up there as well. Yeah, Blizzard's okay. up here as well, yeah. Oh, my. Because I, I know I visited my friends down at their main campus in Anaheim. Yeah. It's just, it's like mission control. It's just, I, I, I dare not say anymore because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. It was really amazing. <laughs> it's really cool. Really amazing. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss really. the, the Comic-Cons? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes and no. Yeah. I mean... You know, you get together with 45,000 of your closest friends. 
and and I mean close. And it's it you're always kind of rushing to one thing. If you're not on a panel, yeah, you are rushing to see somebody else's panel. And if you don't get in line nine hours ahead of time, you don't get in. Right. But you know, on the at some of the smaller conventions, uh, a couple of years ago, now uh, a bunch of us went over to, went to the Grand Rapids Comic Con. And it was really well run, very nicely done. Nice. And that was a great experience. There's been a couple down, you know, here, local, smaller conventions as well. But I didn't, I haven't ever done the circuit like some of my friends have done. You know, they're in New York and then they're overseas and then they're back here. And then it's crazy. Chicago. Yeah. It's, it's for, for the voice actors. I don't know if you've ever gone to one of these things. Oh, yeah. They're treated like rock stars. Oh, my God. It's a, you, 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 when Rob Paulson or Maurice LaMarche walks in the room, it's the Beatles. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah. And Rob Paulson, he's such a nice guy. I'm sorry, Rob Paulson, he's such a nice guy. They're, they're all the, the thing about voice actors; they're extraordinarily talented and versatile. Yeah, and funny. Oh my God, there's no greater pleasure than to go into a room and stand, you know, sit behind the glass and hear people say your words and make them that much better. <laughs> and all of these people do that. The you know the Rob and Maurice and and uh, uh, Waldron and and all the other people who are just uh, Frank Welker, you know, who's the voice of everything. D. Bradley Baker is the guy who makes all the this, the uh, weird noises and animal stuff. Jim uh, Cummings. Jim Cummings, uh, huge talent. Oh my God! You know, it's just there. There are a lot that I'm forgetting to name, and but they're all so many. So talented and generally speaking, really, really nice people too. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there because for them, especially in the old days when they would get everybody together in one room. Now, you know, I guess it's all being written through the script and everything. But but you they have it's, it's a party. And <laughs> and then you work with people like Andrea Romano, who was the voice actor, a voice director on all of the Warner Brothers stuff, and I worked with her prior to that uh, yeah. on uh, Disney stuff, and then we worked on on Ben 10 and things like that, or Ginny McSwain, uh, Sue Blue. These are all wonderful, wonderful voice actors. Awesome. And it's it's always a pleasure because they, I mean, Andrea is a genius, and uh, she's now officially retired, yeah. uh, which is a shame because you just want, oh, I want to do one more with her. Right. Because she finds, all of them, they find subtext. They find something that you didn't know you'd written and yeah. they convey that to the actors and then suddenly everything gets deeper and more Just wonderful and the the touching parts become more touching and the funny parts become more funny and it's just oh god what a pleasure as you can tell i enjoy this job yeah i love it i love your passion for what you're doing because yeah, well you know, you know I, I, it's that or go back to the drugstore i worked in in high school wearing the blue jacket and saying metamucil that's on aisle five you know <laughs> i don't want to do that again so better i stick with this well man i, I tell you what i've we've done i've done hundreds of interviews and you can tell the people that it's a job you know oh, and well, it's the people that truly love what they're doing yeah i mean it, there are uh, assignments. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not going to name shows, right. but there are shows that are just thank you for the paycheck. I'm glad to have it, and thank you, and I'm gone. Yeah. But then there are the you know the things like you get to work. There's a show that's on Apple Plus now called mm -hmm. Stillwater. Again, Rob Hoagie's show. It is completely different than anything I've ever worked on. Yeah. It's quiet and contemplative. It's a preschool show, and it is the sweetest, nice. most calming thing you could ever imagine. Uh, anybody that has an Apple Plus subscription, they should watch this thing with their kids. It's so sweet. But then, you know, I get to do stuff like, you know, RoboZuna, which is robots hitting each other, you know, or... or <laughs> Not real calm. <laughs> Not real sweet. <laughs> no, no. It, there's, there's noise and things. But then then there's things. I've, you know, I had this weird parallel career where I've written some stuff for the, the faith-based show. You know, yeah. I've written uh, stuff on for VeggieTales. And that's a great cast of characters too. So, yeah. you know, I just, I've been really fortunate to be able to sort of be this utility infielder. I love you know, it. You know, playing in one field or another, but, you know, I'll just keep doing it until they tell me to stop, I guess. Yeah. How do you find the voice for the, for the characters that you're, you're writing for, especially on They're the They're all in my head, you know. Well, you know, well, look, it's, it depends on what the show is. I mean, yeah. if you've seen, if you've been able to watch, the show, if it's something that's been on a long time, 
Yeah. Or if there are scripts or a Bible or something like that provided by the showrunner, the story editor, producer, whomever, then you get a chance you hear the you see and hear the voice of each of the characters, and you have to be a bit of a chameleon. You need to be able to mimic yeah. what's being done. And you know, on the shows that have worked out well for me, I've been a good mimic, and on the shows, not so much, not so much. But you know, that's the thing. You have to be able to. Uh, a story editor, I digress, but there's a point of it. There's a story editor that I work for, who's a friend named uh, Stan Berkowitz. Mm-hmm. Stan says that he hires people who make his job easier. Yeah. So the, the, the point of the freelance writer or the staff writer or whatever, your job is to turn in the best work you can possibly turn in mm-hmm. so that your boss doesn't lose a weekend fixing the problems you've created right and so that's what i strive to do and most of the time i succeed i'm sure you could probably find a couple of people who said oh please no not him but you know <laughs> you know i i've been able to have you know strings of shows i mean you interviewed alan burnett who's yep. kind of like you know uh, amazing I, when i when i grow up i want to be alan burnett yeah and, i think we all know, want to be he, alan burnett <laughs> yeah he, he was just wonderful guy and i worked i did i did 16 static shots for him as both writer I, and I actually have a question for you on static shock yeah the what that 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 show means more than your standard superhero show oh yeah simply for the content and who he represents and we don't need to go into the whole cultural aspects of it but it's there and now he means so much more that i think that he i think he meant a lot when he came out because yep. people saw him and it was like Oh my God, this is amazing! But one, the writing was 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 superior to a lot of shows on at the time. The animation was fun to watch, and and the stories themselves were were just were captivating. Well, you know, you know and and again, this is the kind of thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah, when you get a chance to do, you know, I you, nobody wants to watch a show that's pedantic and issue of the week and all that stuff. Right, and yet because Alan was so good at his job. And because the characters lend them, lent themselves to this kind of storytelling, you could do things. Alan and Dwayne McDuffie, who, who is gone now and we mourn him on a regular basis, they won a Humanitas Award for a show where a kid brings a gun to school. Yeah. Okay. I wrote a show for that called, oh gosh, I've forgotten the title of it now, but it was, I think was the title of it. And that was about mental illness and homelessness. I mean, it was about a, a girl who was lost and seemed like a villain at first, but wasn't really. Right. But we could talk about things that matter. And, yeah. you know, you know, and then you got to do, I mean, on Static, I also got to do the first crossover episode that was called The Big Leagues. And that was the one where Batman, Robin, and the Joker go to Dakota. Right. So, you know, and for a fanboy, you know, a guy who re- grew up reading comic books to be able to do that and... Well, it. it was that was a hoot, and yeah. you know, I got and I got to meet the voice actors who do Batman and Robin, the Joker, and yeah. that was kind of cool. Yeah, that yeah. is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. So you know, Static was a wonderful show. I was very, very lucky that Alan brought me in. He and I had worked together at Disney TV Animation, you know, on things like Tailspin and, and stuff like that, and Gummies. I, he he wrote the first DuckTales feature that came out of that unit. And then went back to Hanna-Barbera and then went over to Warner Brothers and was sort of the unsung or at least undersung hero of all of the Warner Brothers animated series from Batman the Animated Series forward. And Alan is just an extraordinarily nice fellow, but a really fine writer. And he has this ability to, he's like the calm center in any storm he will walk into a room. Everybody's running around with their hair on fire. He'll solve the story problem. Everybody will get calm. It's just, it's it's an extraordinary skill. And yeah. he's, a, he's a lovely fellow too. So it all worked out. Anyway, so there I go, you know, praising Alan. But I guess you'll hear a lot of that the more you talk to people. <laughs> uh, he's, 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 awesome, he's a good egg. Well, yeah, it, awesome. if, if, you, if you think about, if you, if you think about Static Shock and what it means, and you know the showrunners that that are available to run a show like that. Who else could run it the way Alan did and be that successful with it? 
You know, I don't know. And and to my mind, it's a shame that it didn't run longer. We did four seasons on that. Yeah. And I, I, I would have liked to see it go on. But at the time, the powers that be said, oh, well, you know, we can't sell the toys. Guess no, I, that's too bad. We, you, you and I can yeah. surmise why they didn't think they could sell the toys. You know, and well, the fact is, I mean, now we have a completely different universe where the Black Panther you know, kids of every stripe and size and color are dressing up as one superhero or another. And it doesn't matter if the, right. the character is of one ethnicity or another, because everybody just loves these characters. Yeah. And I think that's 100%. the case for Static, too. Yeah. You know, and now, you know, Reginald Hudson is working with the surviving members of the, the Milestone group and rebooting that. And there's going to be a feature. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm not involved. But I will certainly line up to to watch yeah. it because uh, it's a. Character. Have they reached out to you at all? No, no, no. no. Oh, but sixteen uh, episodes uh, is, is nothing to sneeze at on Static Jock. Well, you know, I had a great time writing that show, but you know, that's a whole different thing. Oddly yeah. enough, nobody's called any of us who worked on other superhero shows to do the two hundred million dollar you know, Marvel and DC movies either. Right. I don't know why. Perhaps they misplaced <laughs> our phone numbers. But, you know, that's, it's it's a completely different world. And, you know, you know the, the X-Men series, we know that that had a big influence on Brian Singer's movies about yeah. the X-Men. Yeah. We, got, uh, we had Eric and his wife on. Oh, they, he did? Oh, okay. Yeah, they were well, awesome. Yeah, well, you know, they're dear friends. And, you yeah. know, we all got to know one another even before they were married uh, at Disney TV it. Animation. Oh, and, you know, when, when I was done at Disney TV Animation, thank goodness Eric was already running the X-Men series, so I had a soft place to land. Oh, that's So nice. it's they're, they're dear friends, and we were at each other's weddings and all that sort of oh, thing. Oh, that's so, amazing. Anyway, so. I love it. I yeah, it. <laughs> it's a small town. That's I the love weird seeing thing. all the connections like that and hearing about it because, you know, you guys are, you guys wrote some amazing, you guys did some amazing stuff, you know? And it's fun to go back and, and watch. And it was fun seeing it come out as it went. I'm, I'm, I've been a big kid my whole life. I feel like I don't want to grow up. You know, I, I miss Toys R Us because I don't, <laughs> don't want to grow up. <laughs> well, you know, this is, the thing is, you know, for, for those of us who, you know, do this is a very weird job. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, for those of us who do this for a living, you have to have, be able to be in touch with that kid inside you. You yeah, know, definitely. the joke version is, well, thank goodness I'm incredibly immature, so I can keep doing this. But <laughs> but, but the fact is, you do have to be able to have that sense of whimsy and wonder, and then you have to have the craft to, you know, you know build the stories that make sense, and then you have to have talent. So it's, you know, dumb luck timing, who you know, and talent, that makes your career but you also have to just have the tools to do this. You know, you can't wait for the muse to strike. You have right. to be able to sit down and, you know, I say to, you know, young writers, you know, aspiring writers, if you like having homework seven days a week, this is the <laughs> job for you because, you know, there's, you know, oh, I think I'll take the weekend off. No, you, no. when there is no more assignment, then you get a day off and you can sit and twitch. But in the meantime, you know, you just got to go through these, especially since in animation, yeah. it's a volume business. If you're lucky enough to have work and, you know, that ebbs and flows, it's the roller coaster ride. Yeah. If you're lucky to have work, you work as much as you can while it's there and then you say okay what's my next thing and you go chasing after that Amazing. it's piecework you yeah. know and as we mentioned earlier there are no residuals so you you get your unit of compensation and then you try to find another one yeah so you're always you chasing that dragon so to speak i'm sorry say again i said you're kind of chasing that dragon so to speak <sighs> yeah yeah <laughs> unless you're one of the people, and apparently the, the model is going back to more of a staff-driven thing, which mm -hmm. is what I started out in, and more is the better for that because you've got an opportunity to concentrate on one show, you're yeah. not scrambling for the next gig, and you can really dive deep and, and be part of creating something that has cohesion and longevity because all of these shows, they, uh, they do last usually a long time, which is good. You know, yeah. Well, Lynn, 
It's been an hour already. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> because, I, because I talked too much. I no, think, it's awesome. I think that's the problem. You let me ask all the questions. It was no. It was great. It was great, and, and I I hope you had a good time because I had a great time. Well, yes, I did, Kendrick. Thank, I, I would I love really to have you did. come back anytime and, oh, well. and and talk more. Uh, there, you know, God, you've had such a great career, and you've worked uh, yeah. on some amazing stuff, and you. Anytime, I'd love to have you back on if, you, if you're game. I, I'd be happy to. You know, I as you can tell, I'm happy to yammer on at length about anything. But, you know, there's you've interviewed a lot of my, my cohorts, and I think that's great because we are very fortunate, all of us, that yeah. we've been able to, you know, make a living doing something like as, as peculiar and wonderful as this. You know, we, we get to put the words into you know, these iconic characters yeah. and, and tell tales about them and that people still love them is, is wow. What a gift. It's, you I know? just love talking with the people that are behind all these amazing things growing up, you know, and we're, and we're happy to talk obviously. Yeah. And, and what you guys went through, what you did and, and yeah, just the camaraderie. Know, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten some horror stories from people, you know, and I, sure. but you know, most of yeah. them, are, most of them are good. Yeah, I mean, most of it is good. Everybody has their tales, but on balance, you know, it's been a it's been a wonderful life. Right. You know. So there. <laughs> Actually, Lynn, let me ask you one more thing before sure. we go. Yeah. What's the first and last thing you do when putting pen to paper? Outside of panicking, you mean? Or, <laughs> Maybe well, panic is a thing. Yeah. So, um, well, again, that depends. Um, we're going over your time lot. That's okay. Lot. We don't have a time um, limit, so it's okay. When you're working for someone else's show, yeah, your job is. It it depends how you get in on it. You know, if if you've got a showrunner who is saying, "Bring me ideas," then you're yeah. pitching ideas, and then maybe one of them, you know, meets the criteria, and that's great. If you're working on a show that's serialized, as a lot of them are these days, the showrunner may have the whole season sort of plotted out yeah. and to a greater or less degree have figured out what your particular episode is because it has to fit into the jigsaw puzzle. Some people, they, they call you in, I mean, especially before the pandemic, they would call us in and we'd beat out the story. You'd mm -hmm. either do that in a, a room with like a other writers, you know, the writer's room, or you'd be called in one-on-one -on -one and you beat out that story on a whiteboard or file cards, whatever the heck. Yeah. And then you'd go off and you write a beat sheet or an outline or a beat sheet and an outline and then a script and then another draft of the script and then the story editor does his business and then off it goes. If you're writing something original, that's a completely different thing. If you're yeah. writing a spec pilot or a screenplay, you know, then it's just you alone in your room banging your head against the keyboard and trying to figure out, because every time you go to bat, it really is the first day of school. Yes, you've got certain skills, you've done this before, but you are reinventing the wheel to some extent because yeah. you're creating new characters and you have to figure out how they will behave. So, you know, all of it's a challenge and, and writing a movie is very different than writing an a 22 minute episode of a cartoon writing an 11 minute is somewhat different than writing a 22 minute episode of a cartoon. Right. And I have friends who have been writing three minute episodes for, <laughs> you know, for YouTube and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, everybody's just trying to find a way to tell a story. And sometimes you get lucky and you tell a story that people like, you know, so that's how, and the last thing you do, mm -hmm. the last thing you do before you send the script to your story editor, if you're smart, after you've proofed it with your eyeballs, right. you have Final Draft, which is the software that most of us are obliged to use. You have it read back to you with its little computer voice yeah. because you will skip things. You will not hear, see the missing word in a sentence. And then when you hear it spoken oh, yeah. aloud, you say, oh, yeah, I yeah, know that's wrong. So <laughs> that way you can, it, do, to your best of your ability, you can proof it. So that nobody else finds that gap, finds yeah. that logic thing, that that repetition, whatever, whatever little speed bump you've introduced. Yeah. So, and again, that makes your story editor's job easier. Yeah. You want to turn them in something that they can polish in an afternoon and send away, rather than oh, geez, I got to do all this heavy lifting 
and you know uh, I won't see my family all weekend. You don't want you don't want to you don't want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that's what I do. That the 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 thing is, be as professional as you can be, meet your deadlines as often as you can, and hope to God you've done it well enough so that they call you back. <laughs> that's all you can ask for, right? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's that, that's how you that's how you pay the mortgage. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, Lynn, anyway, thank you so much for stopping by today. I really you. appreciate it. I really appreciate your your taking an interest, and I'm happy to yeah. chat anytime. And you know, uh, we'll get the whole band back together, and we can all talk and make you know this seem like just you know a brief conversation. Because when I we all it. get chatting, it's embarrassing. Oh yeah, I'd like it. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, I'll right, see you soon. Okay, thank you very much. Spaghetti. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out spoilerverse.com because at spoilerverse.com, we have a plethora amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers and Oh my God! Are you a lover of comic books like we are? Then so there's many. so many amazing people from the comic book world over at spoilerverse.com, and I highly implore you to go there and check it out. Yeah, and while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts on our network, like Bridges and Geekdoms, and Funny Book Forensics, and Haphazard Adventures, and Nerds from the Crypt, and so many more. Misery Point Radio all the time. Go check all of them out, and check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you, every day on spoilerverse.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. If you want to help support the site, you can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash spoilercountry, or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it obviously on all the socials, but if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once and really <laughs> i hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're we're working our butts off to bring it to you we are we are i guess there's only one left thing one left thing yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go with it there's only one left thing left to do what's that in an oceans of podcasts we are cthulhu as cthulhu compels you to Bacardi. open the mind and read more Okay.